Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly Podcast. If you're in the Orlando area, we hope you're able to join us for one of our services. Please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at faithORL. We hope this message will be an inspiration to help you find all that God has for your life. Enjoy the message. Well, now let's go to the Word. Luke chapter 19. All those years ago was what we now call Palm Sunday. It is the day that Christ rode uh, the donkey into Jerusalem. Luke chapter 19 recounts the story, but so do Matthew and so do John. But reading here in 19, it says, Then as he was drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice. Now let me stop there. The whole multitude of the disciples. Maybe you're thinking the 12. No, it was far beyond that. There were hundreds and maybe thousands of people in Israel that at this time had become disciples of Christ, had believed that he was the Messiah. On the day, the Mount of Olives, the same one he was approaching now, uh, sometime later, he lifted or ascended back into heaven. There was a crowd of some 500 people there on that day. So there were many followers or disciples of Christ. And I suspect there could have been 500, 1,000 plus people on this day. The whole multitude began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice. How many of you know sometimes it's more than appropriate to praise God with a loud voice, amen? There are times that, yes, maybe a, 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 a voice that's not as loud, but there are times for that loud voice, and this is one of them here, for all the mighty works they had seen. Now, in Matthew's gospel, in 21, it says that they cried out, Hosanna, Hosanna, Save now is what that word means, save now. Now, I know that part of that crowd was thinking that this one riding on this donkey was the physical or going to be the physical king of Israel, that he was going to set up the nation of Israel and uh, kick the Romans out, and uh, Israel would return to the power of the days of David and Solomon. But that's not what Christ came to do. He was building a spiritual kingdom. And many of them did not yet recognize or acknowledge uh, that. They were too uh, desirous for a kingdom of Israel to be rebuilt. And then they said in verse 18, Blessed is the king, is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. So they threw palm branches before him. They laid down their cloaks before him. It was a tradition that when a king that had been away was returning to his place of residence, that they would honor him with uh, shouts of acclamation and lay palm branches down before him. It was also a custom of that day for great generals or conquerors to return and for them to give him the same uh, acclamation of, of uh, great victory. And they would lay the palm trees down or branches down 
before them. These palm branches signified victory and joy and peace. And so on that day, they laid them down before what many of them thought would be the returning king to Israel. But they later discovered he would die, but later be resurrected from the dead. Amen? And so that's what we're celebrating next weekend. But in that crowd were Pharisees who called to Christ in the midst of all that acclamation. They called to Christ from the crowd, teacher, rebuke your disciples. These uh, Pharisees had become ingrained uh, in the uh, commonwealth of Rome, and they had taken their place uh, of leadership and authority in that uh, mode of government at that time. They didn't know what uh, if Christ had become the king of Israel. In their minds, it was unsettling. It would have caused chaos, possibly, for their life and their power in that place. But here Christ responds to them and says, he answered and said, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. The stones would immediately cry out. Well, stones were never meant to cry out in praise to God, but you and I were, amen? You and I were destined and called to praise and cry out praise unto God and worship unto God. I never intend for anybody else to take my place. I am here to worship God. I'm going to worship God. No stone, no tree, nothing else that was never called to do that should ever take my place. And how many of you feel the same way? You're not about to let somebody else No, thank you. You can praise yourself, but I'm keeping mine. I'm worshiping and praising because that's what I'm called and destined to do. Well, absolutely not. No stone. And folks, today, it's like I thought earlier, you were so responding and worship, and I thought to myself, we have joined the multitude that was there on that Palm Sunday, and we have mingled our voices with theirs in praise and adoration to God. Excuse me. I'll go ahead and tell you, um, uh, in April, I'm going to have a little procedure that's going to clear this up. Now, don't get... You know, no big deal, all right? So anyway, I did it several times years ago, but it's been three and a half years, and it looks like, pray I get healed, and I won't have to worry about it, all right? But I'm just going to praise God all the way through it. I'm going to worship God all the way through it. That's what I'm going to do. All right, I'm going to be fine. I'm going to live, all right? Supposed to die 20 years here, I still am. All right, so anyway, Psalm 57, verse 7. David says, my heart is fixed, oh God. My heart is fixed. I will sing and I will give praise. Now, men, listen to me a minute. There's something happening in the Christian community. It's being written about. It's being talked about that men have ceased to sing in church. Now, I haven't gone around and personally checked whether you were singing or not, all right? 
and I don't plan to do that. Uh, maybe we'll send somebody else out there next week, but uh, no, in this church, I just believe most of you men just enter in and sing. But I'm going to encourage you today because the devil would very much like to take your song out of your heart, men. He would like to take the praise off your lips. Uh, I don't know what you're thinking if you're not singing, because you're not thinking if you're not singing, all right? So anyway, I don't know what you're thinking, but if you mention who was a great worshiper in the Bible, nearly everybody would say, David, he's saying here, my heart is fixed, I'm gonna sing, I'm gonna praise. He was a great worshiper. He wrote all kinds of psalm, psalm about worship and praise. Now, years ago, I understood, or now I do, what uh, the difference was in being unsaved and saved in looking at worship and looking at just about anything. Uh, I didn't believe in the tithe before I got saved. Now I do. The, uh, and you do too. The last three weeks, it's been evident. Many of you maybe have responded for the first time. And... Uh, Last week and the week before, Pastor Johnny did an incredible job on teaching, on giving, and uh, it was just powerful. And uh, it was obvious some of you got a stimulus check and you tithed on it, all right? And well, you should have, all right? I'm going to tithe on mine, or already have. So uh, God help us all. Now, where am I at? All right, here we are. Okay, men, but we look at this David. And we think, okay, he's a worshiper. But back before I got saved, I went to a little country church one day, and there was a young man up there leading worship with a guitar. Now, I thought I was a tough guy. Well, I drove big combines, huge tractors. I thought I was already a man's man. I was already like 16 or 17. And I looked at him, and I had a mental impression he's a sissy boy. Uh, and I'm just telling you, not the kind of sissy boy I referred to today, but back then, all right? So anyway, just not a man's man. How wrong I was. Uh, I didn't understand or I didn't uh, capture what was truth until after I came to Christ. But men, just in case you've stopped singing, just in case you've stopped worshiping, I want to call you back to David, all right? This young man who was barely a man when he showed up bringing food to his brothers who were in the fight against Goliath. He was so young that he wasn't even allowed to go to the front lines. But when he got there, he saw Goliath, this nine-foot-tall-plus uh, hunk of a warrior man that carried a beam that most of us may have difficulty even carrying. And... Uh, he sees him come out and talk the armies of God. And he, could, he was just beside himself thinking, why are we allowing him to mock our God? And they brought him to King Saul. And uh, Saul realized that David wanted to fight this guy. And David's, or Saul's like, David, you're, you're hardly a man. You're still a, a, a young man, a, a barely out of his teens, if that. And do you know what David told him? David looked at the king and he said, King, I guard my father's sheep and lambs. 
And there have been lions and there have been bears that have come and snatched away a lamb. Now, he says, and I went after him, them. And I stop right there. Just stop right there because I've seen videos. I love watching videos of the animals in Africa and lions and tigers and uh, chasing prey. And, uh, pray for me. All right, so anyway, uh, I, and alligators and all this stuff. Um, but the thought of me going after a lion, chasing a lion to take a lamb back, I'm like, no thank you. Have lamb chops for dinner. Uh, I'm staying right here. Now, men, think about it. Here is this great worshiper. He's still like a teenager, and a lion comes, and he chases after him. And a bear comes, and he chases after the bear. And he goes after him, and he tells the king, and I go, and if they turn on me, he says, I grab them by the throat, and I beat them to death. Now, until you've done that, don't give me any excuses for you not singing and worshiping, all right? So you just get your song back. You just get your praise on, and you get your worship on. And next weekend, when uh, Pastor John says, stand and let's worship, and Pastor Josh and Pastor Charlie and the team's here, there, when they say stand, you are ready to sing, you are ready to roll, you are ready to worship and praise with all your heart because you, like David, are going to get your heart fixed. Wow. How do you know? How do you know you don't have a fixed heart when you don't worship in all the circumstances of life? How do you get a fixed heart? by starting to worship when your flesh doesn't want to worship. When you come into church and you don't feel good, but you're gonna lift your hands and worship anyway. When you walk into church and you don't know how you're gonna meet next week's obligations, but you get your hands up and you worship anyway. And when everything in your marriage seems to be going wrong, you get your hands up and you worship anyway. That's what you're being told week after week in the campuses by our worship pastor to get your hands up regardless. Uh, and so men and women, maybe some of you women fall into this, maybe you quit singing. Dear Lord, have mercy. If you start thinking about the goodness of God, you start thinking about what he's done for you already, you can't help but to worship him with all of your heart as he makes himself real to you in your life. Well, David said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth, he said. Now, in Matthew, we read an interesting verse. Verse 8, these people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Something's wrong with our heart. It needs to be fixed like David's was fixed. And it says in verse 9, and in vain they worship me. Vain worship. In other words, God is saying, when you come to me, don't make it a formality. Don't make it something you just do. 
on Sunday morning. He's saying, when you come before me with your hands raised or your, even your voice speaking and singing, but your heart is far from me, get your heart fixed. If you're out of relationship with a brother or sister, forgive them. Get it right. If you are not treating your wife right, get it right. Uh, treat her as Christ loves the church, amen? And if you're out of relationship with your husband, respect him with all your heart. Get things right on every level. If you owed somebody, you told them you were gonna pay them, but you're holding back, you go ahead and make sure you pay them and do it right. Do everything you can to do it right. And if there's sin there, you ask forgiveness, and then when your heart is fixed, lift your hands and worship with all your hearts. Well, I like to go back to the first mention of particular subjects in the Bible. And in this particular subject, it's worship. So we go back to the first mention of worship in the Bible. And so we come to Genesis, or go to Genesis 22, verse 5. And God had spoken to Abraham previously, years before, about a promised child. And finally, after what? It was 20 or so years Finally, the child of promise is born. And now he's a small lad. And the love of his father and mother, and he's the promised one that God is going to raise up. A, a, a generation to follow, generations to follow. Of multitudes of people that you can't count like the stars of the night. There's so many of them. And now God speaks to him and says to him to sacrifice his son. Wow. Abraham could not believe what he sensed God saying to him. And as a father in, in an age, older age, and looking at this lad, he's thinking to himself, does God have an alternative plan? Is he not the promised child after all? But in obedience to God, because he wanted to obey God more than anything. In obedience to God, he takes a small lad, and he takes a servant, and they go out toward the mount of which he was to sacrifice. And he says in verse 5, And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder. That's a southern word, go yonder. Uh, it's a Hebrew southern word, and, and worship, and we will come back to you. Oh, I like what he said. He had a positive confession. He didn't know how God was going to work it out. He was going to do what God wanted him to do, but he had faith in God. Now, notice, God did not tell him to go and worship. God told him to go and sacrifice. But as Abraham got there, he knew he and himself, were, he was not capable of doing what God had asked him to do. And so the first thing he did, he told those guys, he said, we're going to worship. And I can just see it now. Abraham standing there. And his little boy looking up at him, wondering what's going on. What is this? What's happening? What, what's wrong with dad? 
And dad is weeping and crying with all of his heart. And he's lifting his hands, knowing that in a moment he will prepare his lad on the sacrifice, the stone of sacrifice. But now he lifts his hands into the air. And with tears streaming down his face, he starts to worship the one that he loves even more than that little boy standing next to him. He begins to worship him with all of his heart. I don't know what he said to God. All I know is he worshiped probably more intensely, more fervently in that hour than more than he had probably ever in his life. And then when he stopped worshiping, he felt the surge of God in his life like all of us do when we worship. And he takes that boy because he had heard no other word contrary. He takes that boy and places him on that rock of sacrifice, lays him there, ties him down, raises the knife. And at that moment, the angel spoke and interrupted that act of obedience and said, no, you don't need to. And yet, the heart of Abraham was, I will do what God wants me to do regardless. And he could only get to that place through worship. I said he could only get to that place through worship. And you and I can only get to that place through worship to where we say, I am going to do what God wants me to do. I don't know how it's going to work out. I don't know the circumstances, how they're going to come together. But I'm only going to get there through worship. So I'm going to worship. So in that time of worship, when we're facing all kind of things we've never walked through before, and this was a first for Abraham too, when we get there and we decide to worship anyway, at that moment, God becomes bigger and our problems become smaller. That's all, that's all the way, that, that's all the time that when we worship, God becomes bigger and our problems become smaller. It happened to some of you today. You walked in here, your problems were foremost on your mind, but you began to worship. And as you worship, all of a sudden, your problems began to fall away. And all of a sudden, God and his bigness and his glory overwhelms your hearts. Some of you haven't done that yet, but we're going to give you that opportunity before you walk out of this building to let God become big and your problems small. Yesterday or last night, right after service, communicating with somebody that told me how deep a valley they were going through. And it so stirred my heart that all I could do is cry and pray for this person on the way home. I thought, I've never been through anything like that. And I never will because of the circumstance. But I could identify in some ways, but I could sense the brokenness. And if you're here today, I challenge you in a moment, if you haven't already, to lift your hands high and say, God, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this valley, but I'm going to worship you in this valley till I'm out of this valley, back on a hilltop looking down on that past experience of my life. Now, some of you here today, some of you here today are new to all this, and I know that. 
you're new to it. Uh, you don't really know why we do some of the things we do even here at this church. What's all this hand clapping about? Well, David, that bear killer, lion chaser, he said, oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. That's why we clap our hands. He may have chased the lion, but we're going to clap our hands, all right? So then why do we lift our hands? So many churches, they don't lift their hands. Why do we lift our hands? Well, because that bear chaser said, lift your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. Why do we offer audible praise unto God? That one that grabbed them by the throat and took their life from them, trying to snatch away the goodness of God from his life. My soul shall be satisfied with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. Why do we sing even? Ephesians chapter 5 Verse 19 says, speaking to one another in psalm and hymns, spiritual songs, singing. Men, we're going to sing, right? Men, we're going to sing. If we've stopped singing, men start singing again and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Well, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord, the Bible says. Praise ye the Lord. Well, who should praise God? Let every person that's breathing should praise God. That's who should. Well, let me ask you a question. If you are breathing, why don't you just raise your right hand and leave it up? If you're breathing. See, you haven't even thought about breathing since you walked in here. None of you walked in the door and said, my goodness, I'm breathing. No, you didn't even think about it. God gave you breath and you didn't even think about it. So hold your hand up high just for a minute. Then how many of you want to keep breathing? Raise your other hand, hold it up. All right. Now, why don't you, if you want to keep your eyes open, great, fine, wonderful. If you want to close them, but I want you to do something with your hands up. Thank him for that breath and then thank him for who he is. And then start to worship him, Lord. We worship you. We worship you, Lord. We worship you for life itself. We worship you that we're breathing. And Lord, we praise you we're going to be breathing this afternoon. And tonight and tomorrow and the weeks and days to come, Lord, we're confessing you're walking with us and we are walking with you. We love you. We honor you. We adore you. Blessed, blessed be the name of the Lord God Almighty. Blessed be the name of the Lord God Almighty. Oh, yes, yes. Holy Spirit of God. Holy Spirit of God, sweep over those online. Sweep over their souls. Those in the atrium. Those there at Red Bug Lake and Michigan Street, here in this auditorium, sweep over our souls. Now, let me tell you what we're going to do. I'm going to ask you in a moment, there at the campuses, I'm going to ask you to stand. And Pastor John, to start with, is going to lead us into worship. And I want you with intensity, I want you with all your heart to join those so long ago on Palm Sunday, 
who praised loudly the Lord as he marched or came into that city, praised him and honored him for the things he had done. Maybe, you know, praise typically is praising him for what he has done or is doing. But worship, worship is just honoring him and glorifying him for who he is. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. Thank you for joining us in pursuit of growing closer to Christ. Stay tuned for more messages released every week. God bless.